I think there's something to attracting the right talent by having easier technology and having people be able to use their brains and have technology replace some of the mundane, repetitive tasks. to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 147th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, and I'm excited to welcome Kelsey Weaver and Keith Costello to the show. Both Keith and Kelsey are veteran entrepreneurs in the banking space who have each started, led, and have managed multiple brands over the years. Now they're working together on their next adventure with Keith as the president and CEO and Kelsey on the board of Locality. A locality is a digital community bank on a mission to build better banking and sustainable futures for South Florida businesses. Welcome to the show, Kelsey and Keith. It is so good to have you on today. Thank you, James Robert. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. One of the things I always like to do is just start start things off on a positive note. And I want to hear from you both. What's good? Personally, professionally, what's what's one good thing that's been happening for you? that has you excited, that has you energized? Let Kelsey go first. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's been a big week and a big celebration for things happening for the bank to be official. So we have our kickoff um, later this evening. So we officially got our it's, um, the approval letter from the FDIC. That is That is big news. That is fantastic news. Congratulations on that. Keith, what about you? What's good? Yeah, so excited about that. And we're also simultaneously doing our fundraising. So we have a $23 million capital goal that we have surpassed in terms of our subscription agreements. We're up, actually, we're over 29 million in subscriptions right now. So, as everybody knows, a subscription is not cash, it's not, it's not the same thing. <laughs> So now we need to get all those funds in. So we're, we're reaching out to all of our investors and saying our deadline is November 15th. We need all the funds to get in. And so what happens now, James, I was like kind of crazy. There's all these rules. I was just on with our attorney talking about all of these things now that have to occur. And it's like within five days of this, you have to do this. And then after you have to send out a listing of all your sub shareholders and then you have to have an annual meeting 30 days after that. And it's, it's a little bit mind boggling, but it's all fun. And we're you know, working our way through the process. Hearing you talk through that, you, you said it's all fun. And, and I think that this is going to be a fun conversation because it's not every day we go out and we start a new organization. We start a new financial brand. We start a new bank. And this is a journey, particularly with the, the lens that you're taking. And, and you recently, Key, shared a quote on LinkedIn from Nelson Mandela. There is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that is less than the one you're capable of, of living. And I really connected with this personally. 
I believe growth is a journey. It is a journey from good to great. And I know that sometimes we can get trapped. We can get stuck in what I call and I'm writing about in the next book, Banking on Change, which is what I call the cave of complacency. Uh, I know a lot of bankers sometimes get stuck there. Sometimes they struggle to break free from the cave. And I, I want to go back in your own mind, Keith. Think about your own journey of growth that you've taken over the years as, as a banker to keep playing a bigger game. How do you ensure that you have not got trapped to not get stuck, to break free from this cave of complacency? And, and what have you done, going back to Nelson's quote, to play an even bigger game with all the work that you're doing here? Because it is exciting. It is fun. So I think back because I was always entrepreneurial, but it's very easy when you have a family and you have children and you have you start to accumulate obligations. And as we go through life and we're not really thinking about, we're not necessarily conscious about and planning every step along the way. So before you know it, you have a mortgage, you have a bunch of kids. So you have all these obligations that occur. And so it's very easy to cling to a job of security and to hold on to that and to say, you know, uh, I've got a good job. I'm lucky. I'm taking care of my family, which is an important thing. And it's, I always felt like I wanted to do more though. And it was interesting because I had the opportunity. So go back to 2007, I'm working at a bank in Fort Lauderdale called the bank of Florida. And the Bank of Florida was organized by some of the most prominent people in Fort Lauderdale at the time, the who's who of the business community. You know, Wayne Heisinger, who a lot of people are a billionaire, founder of AutoNation and a bunch of other companies, was a shareholder. And so I was working at that bank and I was really enjoying my role there when somebody approached me and said, we want to start a bank in, in Fort Lauderdale. And we need a CEO. And at that time, I was the chief lending officer. So I was an executive officer at this Bank of Florida. And I thought to myself, you know, I've got a good job. I'm, you know, I've got, at that time, I have four kids and I have two ex-wives. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, this is a huge risk. I'm 50 years old too at the time. And I said to the guys, I said, listen, I'll, I can run your bank and I'm entrepreneurial enough to take that challenge but I don't want to have to raise money. I just, you know, it's not, uh, I think that's beneath me to have to go ask people. I'm a banker. I'm used to people asking me for money and I don't want to go ask people for money. So they said, okay, don't worry. We've got all the money raised. All you have to do is run the bank. And I said, fine, you know, you got a deal. I'm going to, I'm going to jump into this thing. And I felt like I was really taking a huge risk, leaving this good job and going and jumping into a startup at the time. And then we all remember what happened 2008 came and the bottom fell out of the financial markets. And so all of these people that had said they were buying stock and were going to contribute capital to the bank, were no longer taking our phone calls mm. and, and the money evaporated to start this bank. And so all, all of the group was like, well, I guess, you know, we're, going to have to fold up our tents. And I'm like, what do you mean fold up? I said, I, I'm all in. I can't fold up my tent. You know, we have to open this bank. You know? So we continued you know, to persevere and to actually, we finally got it raised. It was like $12.5 million. We opened in January of 2009. And we were this 
one of the very last banks to open before the FDIC just shut down everything. But the, the moral of that story is the Bank of Florida that I felt so safe and secure at ended up failing two years later. Wow. Wow. So, you know, you just never know where you're safe and where you're not safe. And so I thought, you know, that was just, as I reflect back on that, it turned out to be the best thing I ever did in my career was to leave that job and jump into this other group. That's a, that's a fantastic story and a lot of lessons to, to learn from it. You know, it's, if, if we're going to continue to grow, to grow from good to great, to, to, to blaze new paths, we have to let go of the past. We can't get attached. And for years I've had this kind of loop in my head. I don't know where it came from, but it, it says attached to nothing, detached from everything. And that has always been a kind of a guiding voice, if you will, to focus on creating the new and being careful not to attach to where we've been because it is safe. It is secure. And I can't help but think too of one of my mentors along this journey, Dan Sullivan, uh, who's been coaching entrepreneurs for about 40 years now. And he talks about, you know, we must always create a future that is bigger than the past. And, and that's where I want to come over to you, Kelsey, because you have done a lot of creation over the years uh, in, in your own journey. What, what have you done to ensure that you're always creating a future bigger than, than your own past here with the steps that you've taken along the way to not get trapped into what I was talking about before the, the cave of complacency? I don't think anyone that knows me well would think that I would ever fall into complacency. I have a to-do list or a what I want to know and learn list or accomplish that is a mile long. So I, I can't stand boredom and I'm always ready for what's next. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't fear getting too complacent because if I know what I'm doing, then it's someone else's turn. <laughs> I like to kind of figure things out and, uh, and, and, and be on that leading edge uh, versus kind of getting into a cycle. You you make an interesting point, this idea of a to-do list, but then also a to-learn list, or I want to know list. I'm a big believer in lifelong learning because as you begin to learn new things, it opens up new horizons, that those new horizons, you see new opportunities What's on your to learn list right now? Like what, what's the next big thing that you're wanting to learn and to, to know about? So uh, my next big move is going to be marrying what has been a passion and actually how I met Keith on the uh, pediatric cancer. I'm involved with the foundation that funds childhood cancer research. My to learn list is just, you know, biotech. <laughs> Yes. In general, I've been switching hats between I've had an art commission uh, to a board meeting to learning biotech. And I think I finally overwhelmed myself and short circuited. So I just went on a girl's trip to have some wine and just got back to Florida so I could actually decompress from all the gear switching. Um, but everything from I mean, the other side of this office is my arts and crafts room. <laughs> so well, I've been learning art, astrology one of our uh, board's favorite topics. 
You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. You talk about this idea of biotech, and I really feel that there's going to be a close correlation. There'll be an intersection in the banking space with that in the probably the next five to 10 years. Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like just yet, but I do see there might be some overlap between this idea of financial well-being and physical well-being, mental well-being, they all kind of circle and go hand in hand together. You brought up an interesting point, Kelsey, uh, and, and use the word fear. I know in the banking space, a lot have, have spoken with me in private. Uh, when we think about digital growth and, and what's coming down and what's ahead, they're a little intimidated. They're a little cautious. Um and I wrote about in banking on digital growth, the four fears, fear of the unknown, fear of change, fear of failure, and, and maybe even fear of success. For someone who is listening and, and hearing your own stories and experiences so far, what recommendations might you be able to give to the dear listener from both of you on how to process some of this stuff in a positive manner to essentially transform fear into fuel for future growth instead of it being uh, an impediment? There's no new venture that somebody would get into or no, no real change that somebody's going to engage in or risk that you're going to take that doesn't create fear. And so fear is natural and, and uh, you can't eliminate it. I think it becomes, I would use the word exhilarating, almost like you know being on a roller coaster or jumping off of, uh, with a, a bungee cord or something, you know? So, so yeah, you're afraid when you do it, but once you do it, it's exhilarating and to uh, succeed with it. And of course there's failure too. Sometimes we, we try things. How many cars do we see at the F1 race, you know, in Austin? I mean, there was only one winner, right? But you have to believe every mm. single one of those competitors was exhilarated just being in that race that day. So I think a lot of it is about just embracing uh, competition, embracing uh, change and embracing just being engaged in, in life and doing the things that you really feel compelled to do. It's a great point about failure. You know, I, I look at failure as coming back to this point that you're mentioning before, Kelsey, failure is one of the greatest teachers. It's one of the greatest ways to learn continuously particularly when working through an environment where there is rapid change. Um, failure is what I call the fertile seeds from which new growth springs anew. Uh, I'm curious, Kelsey, with, with your journey, where, where have you used failure as a learning tool to, to manage change in a positive manner? Because like you said, you, you, not many people who know you would say, I don't know, she's, she's one who's always, always learning, always growing, but but think back in your own mind of maybe what, what have been some of the greatest lessons that you've learned along the way when dealing with change? The biggest motivator to me has always been uh, to prove people wrong, right? I fuel that into how do you get over this obstacle? And so therefore, when you think about failure, if you're trying one way and it's not working or you, you I, I do a lot of paying attention to what other people are doing and using kind of what hasn't worked or what's working over here, how do you apply it there? So I think that failure, I mean, if you can't get your point across, you can't get the team to believe in something, then you go prove it. Solving that problem is fun. And if it was easy, it wouldn't be as fun. You know, other people would be doing it. Um, so I've always gotten a thrill out of, you know, 
thinking about what's next. And, you know, even if you pay attention to what others are doing, even if the first approach isn't right, um, that's what makes kind of the victory sweeter once you kind of crack the code. There's that commonality that I'm hearing from you, Keith, as well as the exhilaration. It's that roller coaster. It's that bungee jumping effect when it comes to going down a path like this. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot is getting comfortable feeling uncomfortable. How can that be practically applied in the banking space? What might there be some practices? Because Keith, back to your point over here, you know, you, you've been through this journey, you had no choice but to succeed going forward. Because had you stayed where you were previously, it wouldn't have ended so brightly. But because you had the courage to commit and see that through follow it through, there was a period of probably feeling a little uncomfortable, if not very uncomfortable from time to time. What what can others do to push through those feelings of, of of uncomfort to get to the other side of that to get comfortable being uncomfortable the things that i've been doing as i've learned more about how to handle some of the stresses and some of the and, and it's fair to call it stress i guess change creates stress and and we're naturally uncomfortable when things are changing i don't think there's anybody who's totally comfortable and if you look at our industry, for somebody who's been in this business for 30 years and to see the change in the last, I tell people in the last five years, things have changed more than in the previous 25. And that rate of change is not slowing, it's accelerating. And so things are getting faster and faster. And so I think you can really, if you don't really consciously try to really become self-aware and, and to almost calm yourself, you can really get caught up in this. And, you, and I think a lot of people become so yeah. uh, afraid of technological change. And, and it's almost like, uh, it, and it can be overwhelming, but you just have to really, uh, I found meditation for me has just been so extremely helpful. And I've gone from somebody who I thought I was always such a driven ADD type human when I was younger. And, and now I never thought I would ever be able to meditate. And I went from five minutes to 20 minutes to now my goal is to meditate an hour a day. And I found it, it's helped me so much to just be more present, more relaxed about things and, and able, able to listen better to people, which I was never good at before either. Man, that's a that's that's a really practical thought. It's a practical idea. It's something that I've been writing and speaking about more of taking time to disconnect so that we can reconnect, reconnect first and foremost, kind of like just with ourselves and our own minds. Even um, Allison in episode 148, she literally ended the conversation talking about taking care of the mind um, as, as a key strategic competitive advantage. Kelsey, thoughts to add on to that, because I, I see you shaking your head about this idea that, that when dealing and manage, managing change, we must take care of, of the mind. Where, where's your thinking here? I mean, I, mindset is everything. I mean, when you talk about uh, how people uh, might have fears of failure or, um, you know, who's your, your biggest inner critic, right? How do you silence that? So I think that, you know, when I was 
at the time I, I was at bank director launching Finex Tech, which was a platform for banks and technology providers to come to the table uh, and, and work together. And I just remember when one of the law firms that was one of our first sponsors signing on is like, and then here's this girl from Tennessee that thinks that she's just going to start this new company for uh, based on fintech and banks didn't care at that time but i believed in in her confidence and i had no idea how important this lawyer was or that she was thinking i'm just a girl from tennessee i'm i was just doing what i said i would do <laughs> yeah i just I, I thought it was a good idea so i just emailed her so you know, just kind of like sometimes to me it was you know as a youngest of three left to my own devices a lot so i never actually knew i was approaching things differently uh, <laughs> So I have tales for days, but uh, I think sometimes that ignorance or perhaps just that, you know, uh, trying to do it without worrying about what other people are thinking. And that that mind is is your biggest advocate. And to Keith's point, I'm shaking my head because I'm a big sync tuition. That app is it's a mind spa. So I don't have any referral codes. It's just the best app that I use for meditation. And I'm big on, you know, just thinking about things. Um, you know, making sure that I get rest and that I take time to do art if I'm doing a bunch of screen time. Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus, who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end -end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build providing accountability beyond the technology and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? Learn more at nimbus.com. You've got a you've got an outlet. You're taking time to disconnect, to reconnect. And and now there's a common pattern here between the three of us because I literally just pulled this up on on my phone over here. Now now here's the secret. I do not have email on my phone. I do not have social media. I do not even have an internet browser on my phone. I have a dumb smartphone that pretty much you can call, text, get GPS, and listen to podcasts. Now, I do have a meditation app, which is called My Life, and you have a check-in. And right now, I'm looking at it. It says, good afternoon. How are you? Start your check-in. And so it uses some guided questions to then get the right proper meditation. So now there's a common pattern between the three of us, this idea of taking care of the mind in a world of continuous change, in a world where I think transformation will continue to happen at a more rapid pace. Let's take this thinking and continue forward with the conversations because there's some really practical things I, the, the dear listener can take away just learning from the two of you here as you move forward, um, as as you continue to blaze a new trail, and I, I there's a there was a Robert Frost poem that I'll never forget. Ninth grade, I was sitting in English AP, and it was right there on the wall in front of me. And it was the the, the poem Two Roads Diverged in a Yellow Wood," and I took the one less traveled. And that has made all the difference. And I always remember thinking, because there was one path that went to the right, there was one path that went to the left and being the curious mind that I am, I, I wasn't so interested in the, in the past. I wanted to, to blaze my own trail down the middle. I wanted to see what was there and go into that uncharted territory. So as you're continuing to blaze a new trail to, to launch locality, 
a digital community bank focused on empowering the local business to maximize their growth um, through a an experience, a digital experience that is simple, empowering, and personal. Keith, what was the inspiration here to launch Locality? Why blaze this new trail to begin with in the first place? So going back to community banking and the power of community banking, I've always, so I've, in my banking career, worked in big banks and then actually started working in the smaller community banks. And then having started a community bank in 2009 and being able to, through that bank, save a lot of the local companies in our community during a time when funds were drying up. And it was so satisfying to be able to do that. And these, some of these companies had been in business for 40, 50 years, family businesses that were no longer able to get funds from their existing bank relationships. So that, that felt so good. And then we sold that bank and then, you know, I got involved in another bank, did the same thing again. We sold that bank. And so the common denominator for me was really, you know, I, I would like to do this again. I don't necessarily want to sell the bank again. I, I want to tell our shareholder group this time, let's keep this going. Let's take it public because I think our community, and I tell people when I talk to investors about what we're doing, say, you know, this is a good business. It's a great business, really. If you run it right, uh, banks can be really profitable investments. But I said, it's more than that. It is also an investment in your community when you, when you get involved yes. in a community bank. You're helping the local economy. You're helping the local businesses. You're helping the smaller businesses. And the beauty of this is, you know, thank God we have people like Kelsey who are involved with us now who understand technology and Corey LeBlanc, who you know, who's our chief technology officer. I mean, I never had people like this in my other banks, but I knew if we were going to do this again, and we were going to really be able to help even more local businesses and hopefully someday local businesses in other localities that we needed to be able to do that through technology. And that was the way we could do it and we could do it effectively. So, you know, very fortunate, so happy. You know, Kelsey's such a great thinker. I'm just sitting here. It was funny because before this happened, Kelsey's like, well, do we have company notes? And I said, no, we don't have company notes. We're not even a company yet. Absolutely. Let's, let, let's spin that over to, to you, Kelsey, because my, my follow-up question, and Keith, you, you've actually just set this up perfectly. So next time I'm going to, I'm going to pass the mic over to you and let you host the show. And I'm just going to step out and, and take a, take a, I'm going to go have lunch with my wife, you know, next time we do this and, and, and you can just run this thing because you, you've set this up so well, because my follow-up question for you, Kelsey, to this was what inspired you? What inspired you to join the board at locality because to be honest you know keith hearing you talk through and download your mind here to me i'm excited i'm inspired and i see the bigger future that you're you're looking to create but i'm, I'm curious to get your take on this kelsey because you like you said you're you're bringing a, a unique perspective you're bringing a unique uh experience here what what's what are your thoughts what's your inspiration here i mean if we heard what Keith just talked about from a meditation standpoint to just the way he looks at life. You know, it's not necessarily that common that you hear a CEO of a bank that, that has that, that way of thinking or the openness to wanting to try new things and forge a new path. So I'll say, you know, for me, 
I've, I've been in community banking. I used to run education for directors of banks. So I thought you should know a little bit about being a director. But when you look at how to run a bank, I mean, what an exciting opportunity to get to start from the ground up, to not have the legacy technology or all this existing, because that's the way we've always done it, because there's you know, not someone that started, I mean, I know there's a handful of de novos, but to be able to have this kind of greenfield to build a bank from scratch with people that, uh, as Keith mentioned, uh, Corey LeBlanc, like these people that have this vision that want to do it the right way and that look at technology not as, we're not trying to go replace all humans, we want to emphasize the relationship and we want to use tech to empower um, you know, our team. I think there's something to attracting the right talent by having easier technology and having people be able to use their brains and have technology replace some of the mundane, repetitive tasks. And as we grow our, our team for the bank proper, yeah, I think that that same mentality, I mean, tone starts at the top. And I think we all um, believe in what we're building. You, you, you touched on purpose, and I want to stay on that point. In episode 148, one of the things that came from that conversation was uh, partnering around purpose, collaborating around purpose. I'm a big believer in purpose-driven growth. I see purpose as a guiding light uh, when it comes to creating something even bigger, better, and brighter for those around us. And I'm curious to get your take on this, Keith. What role has purpose played for you, um, both in the work that you've done up to this point in banking? And I think even more importantly, what role will purpose continue to play through the work that you're doing leading locality here? So the if you think about the comments that I made earlier about the community businesses, the local companies, that's a noble calling to be able to help entrepreneurs, to be able to help people create a business, to be able to help somebody really fulfill their dreams. It's, it's a calling that is, you can really get excited about that. It's a, it, you talk about purpose in, in terms of helping someone create a business and being a part of that. And so if I could elaborate on one other thing we're going to do that we really think is different, we want to be, if, if anybody can think of a time, and everybody has been turned down for a loan at some time, right? Oh, it's anxiety. It's a, there's, there's, there's a lot of like anxiety that gets tied to that. And be, I think, you know, we even see research to where like small business owners won't apply for a loan or get, try to even get access to capital because they're, it comes back to what we were talking about before with fear. It's fear of rejection. Right. And, 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 and a lot of people take business, take it personally, right? If their business doesn't get a loan. Yep. Um, so we want to flip that around to really make that not an experience where somebody rejects you, but where somebody says, let me help you. You've got a great idea. You open your account with us. We're going to continue to monitor your cash flow, and we're going to work with you on a monthly basis. Now, we're not going to be able to do that one-on-one -on -one with every business because we need, it, it just is not cost effective, right? But with technology, we can do that. We can reach out with data and, mm -hmm. and we can say to that person, we're watching your cash flow. Hey, guess what? Once this, once your receivables get to this level and your sales get to this point, you know, all you have to do is this and this, then we'll be able to give you a hundred thousand dollar loan. 
So, you know, keep up the good work, keep the deposits coming in and encourage them to grow and to, you know, who does that now? I don't, nobody does. Uh, it's more like, you know, the bank sits back and, and you're rejected and it's a horrible experience. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. And, and if you think about it, who are the businesses that need the most help? The smaller local companies don't have power. They're beholden to the banks. And so we want to be able to make that a much more pleasurable experience. And so that's our purpose. Really, we looked at our community and, and we saw that that was a problem during PPP, that the local companies were not getting funding. And that was a lot of the inspiration for the bank. But if it's happening here, it's happening throughout America. And we know that it is because there's just so fewer community banks than there used to be. The words, once again, I mentioned Dan Sullivan before, but he just wrote a new book and released it. I, we, we talked about this in episode 136 uh, called The Gap and the Gain. And one of the things that he talks about is it's so important to measure progress, the progress that we're making by looking behind at where we've been. And I like your idea. I like your thinking around using technology as a tool to provide that guidance, to provide that accountability, to provide that coaching, to provide even that encouragement, because it is so different. Start, starting a business is, is hard. Running a business is even harder because back to your point to bring this almost full circle, Keith, you talked about there's other areas that come into play, families, kids, other relationships that all we have to think about with this. And, and it's something that we just can't do alone. And that's why, you know, collaboration, collaboration is another big theme that has been coming through this, the, the, these podcast conversations, and even, even the idea of the noble calling. I've heard that come up in a few recent conversations too, bringing the nobility back, I think, to banking, because it is, it is a noble uh, part that we can play. I, I'm, I'm curious, Kelsey, you've, you've been helping and working with companies, helping them to understand the value of partnerships, creating connections to, to solve versus sell. And through your experience, how has, how does connections through collaborations create a, a, a clear path for growth when thinking about just where you're at and, and what you're seeing with locality here? Everyone knows you want to work smart, not hard, or find people that are complimentary. I mean, I think that's what you saw at the beginning of when FinTech came out, there was, there was fear. There was SoFi coming out and yep. all of a sudden banks are going to be the next blockbuster. But so you have tech companies that are building tools that they've never heard of anything about regulation or worked at a bank, but they think they've created a better experience, yet they don't actually have the distribution of the banks. So when you look at, um, you know, you look at complementary talent and you think banks have distribution, but there is a need for a better experience. Why don't we put them at the table so that they can actually learn from each other? Um, that goes back to the constant learning. I you know, never want to be the smartest person in the room. You want to find the ways that you can put the right uh, probably what I spend most of my time doing um, is connecting my friends to each other. You know, I tell them I, I don't know much, but I know a lot of people that may know that answer. <laughs> and then I can put the right people uh, together on that. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely, yeah, I can be a little kumbaya, but I definitely think that the, when you look at um, scarcity, like the, the mindset of abundance versus scarcity, when you're coming from a place of fear, you may not want to work together because this is, you think there's only one pie. Right. Um, but when you're able to kind of join forces, 
it makes life easier and better <laughs> for those around. And technology provides that capability like never before. I, I think of uh, a, a conversation that I had going back to episode 69, we were talking about uh, who, not how. I think a lot of times when we think about growth and doing something new, the, the mind goes to how are we going to do X, Y, or Z? And that creates some limitations because we only know what we know. But when we begin to think who, who do we need to help us, you know, solve this problem, eliminate this roadblock, capture this new opportunity, achieve this goal. When we think who first, back to your point, Kelsey, connections, it's the mind opens up to new connections that will help to shortcut our learnings to gain new capabilities quickly. And, and Keith, that's what you've been doing with, with Nimbus as well on this journey through a collaborative model. What has that collaboration looked like so far in regards to just shortcutting things, speed, um, gaining new capability, and, and really just, just moving forward with courage and confidence? Well, Nimbus has been just an amazing partner for us. They have, and, and we're going at this kind of together because when we first got into conversations with Nimbus, we recognize that they have a lot of the consumer banking applications, but that the commercial lending pieces were, were really not fully developed yet. And so we have partnered together with them, with our bankers working together with their software engineers and coders to create new products that are so amazing and, and will enable us to really differentiate ourselves in the market. So that partnership, it wouldn't be possible for, and I'll say if, uh, another thing that with, not only do they provide the technology, but Nimbus has provided us with marketing, they've provided us with social media, they've provided us with, uh, they've set up our website. So they, they have just done so many, they've brought, I, I tell people, they've brought world-class talent to a startup organization. And so, I mean, I'm just so uh, impressed with what they've been able to do for us. And that's that collaboration once again to where you're gaining capability and increasing speed versus having to try to figure out and do it. It's like what you said, Kelsey, don't want to be the smartest person in the room. We want to align ourselves with others who know even more so that we can all grow together. This has been a fantastic conversation with you both today. I appreciate the knowledge, the thinking that you have shared. I want to get real practical here at the end. To help the dear listener, to educate, to empower the dear listener, to continue to move forward and make progress along their own digital growth journey. And all growth begins with something small, a simple step. Um, what would that small, simple step you could make a recommendation around so that they can move forward based upon what we've talked about today? Kelsey, what would you recommend the dear listener do next? Something small to, to, to take those next steps forward. Um, something small that is kind of corny, but a book that I've been reading recently, it's called The Hi-Fi, I think it's called Hi-Fi Life, um, but it, it talks about the science and uh, what happens when you high-five yourself in a mirror, <laughs> and it's this positive reinforcement that it's it's impossible to have a negative thought while you, when you, you high-five yourself or someone, but there's this innate, you know, it, it's definitely like a mood booster. And so, yeah, I kind of laughed it off at the beginning, um, but they do something called the high five challenge where you high five 
yourself. You guys can look it up. You can sign up and get newsletter. It's, it's a free little email reminder. It's fairly a big movement. Um, and it's just a cool concept because when you think about just what's a small thing you can do, you can try the five-day high-fiving thing. I, um, I'm on day four. Uh, and it at least makes me laugh because I feel embarrassed when I'm by myself thinking this is weird. I don't, and I'm going to tell you why. There's science, like you said, it's starting to show. We're really bringing this full circle now back to the brain and meditation and mindset here. When dealing with you know exponential change that can feel confusing and scary and overwhelming, it all comes back to, Keith, what you're talking about, awareness. And the mind can only hold a positive or a negative thought or emotion. Definitely go back and listen to the conversation that I had with Dan Sullivan about the gap and, and the gain, because that's what that's one of the big things. It's so easy to fall into the gap. And I use acronyms. The gap is where you gripe about problems to where if you're continuously focusing on what's been going well, where have you been winning? What are you excited about? What have you learned? What are you looking forward to? You can program the mind to, to really be in a state of positivity, to be in a state of abundance, which are then directly correlated with growth. So not corny at all, corny at all really, really practical. What was that book again for the dear listener? It's the High Five Life. The High Five Life. I'm a big reader. I'm going to get it myself. And if that's not correct. It's very close to that. So <laughs> Kelsey, this is, that's a great, that's a great one. Keith, what about you? What's, what's a recommendation that you can send the dear listener off for something practical, something small that they can continue to, to grow with. So um, I'm also going to throw a book out that, and this is a, a book that is a very short read. It's probably like 45 pages long. I mean, you can read this in 20, 30 minutes and that's the beauty of it. And it's called As a Man Thinketh. You, as, have either of you read that book? Are you familiar with it? No, but I've got two books that I'm going to have to go and annoy my wife with now to get another package from Amazon. So As a Man Thinketh. Yes. And so I just bought this book actually for my daughter to, yesterday because I was telling her about it. So uh, in another book I was reading, they were talking about this. So this book was written around 1900. So it's an, an old book. And, but it was, it's beautifully written and it, it was probably one of the first books that set the stage for, as you're talking about how, uh, how the mind is so important to what we become and therefore the, the title of the book and how we think and not just uh, how we create our lives, but how uh, through thinking positive thoughts. And it's a very simple, beautiful, beautifully written book but how our thoughts really create our, the entirety of our life. So yes, I would really do. recommend that book to, to anybody. And, and like I said, sometimes I'll read it before I go to bed and you can finish it that quickly. And, and you just, you know, have beautiful dreams that night after you read that, that book, it's just that uh, wonderful. So that's, that's really been a big, interesting study area of study for me personally, coming back to the point, Kelsey, of always being a lifelong learner, always having not a to-do list, but a to-learn list is the yeah. impact of the mind in relationship to, to the future and literally like creating the future self. And back to the point of the conversation that you started with, Keith, we have to let go of the past so that we can create that space to create the new going forward. Thank you both for such a wonderful conversation today. If someone wants to continue the conversation with either one of you, what's the best way for them to reach out and say hello? What's the best way for them to connect 
and maybe even collaborate. I'm easy to find LinkedIn message or Twitter or emails. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty findable. (laughs) Just, just, just Google Kelsey, just Google Kelsey Weaver. Uh, LinkedIn. I mean, I, LinkedIn. I guess that's the easiest place. There you yeah. go. Yeah, LinkedIn is good. I, I mean, my email address is Keith at localitybank.com. It's pretty predictable. Got it. Well, this is this has been a great conversation. Thank you both again for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thanks Robert. for having us. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, brought to you by Nimbus, who is on a mission to bring the people, process, and technology together to create new routes to growth for financial brands and enable them to deliver outcomes. To learn more about how you can collaborate with Nimbus to maximize your future digital growth potential, visit www.nimbus.com. Until next time, be well and do good.